Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Today, Marcus and I sit down with Michael Brandt, who is the founder and CEO of HVMN. They are a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, we've been taking their supplement for much longer than they've been a sponsor. They're one that we wanted to get on just because they're doing such cool and different things. We talk about his experience on Shark Tank, uh, him getting a contract with the Department of Defense, uh, what's it like running a startup. Uh, he's also quite the athlete. He ran a two hour 40 something minute marathon time which is pretty nuts uh if you're not familiar with uh endurance sports in general and we talk about a whole bunch of other different things you know how we are we go on tangents all that good stuff as always make sure you tag me tag marcus tag hybrid unlimited tag our guest if you want brownie points and you'll automatically be in uh entered into a draw to potentially win some hybrid legacy brand apparel which is the official apparel of the hybrid uh, unlimited podcast as well as hybrid performance method as a whole while you're at it check us out on hybridstrengthcoach.com we have programs from olympic weightlifting powerlifting strongman to general fitness crossfit everything in between whatever you're interested in if your goal is to get stronger fitter bigger smaller whatever it is we've got it and you can do seven days free with no obligations. All you have to do is check the little seven-day free box off at checkout. That's it. Sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Quick shout out to our sponsors at Cured Nutrition. They've got you covered from waking to sleeping. Some of the supplements that I love from them are Rise, Zen, and CBN oil. Starting with Rise, that is a supplement that's going to help you wake up, get focused, get ready for your day. No crash, no jitters, none of the stuff that comes along with a caffeine supplement. Zen is an awesome sleep aid. If you're a person that just wants to sleep better, deeper, longer, that's a supplement for you. It does not have melatonin, so it's not going to make you groggy. If you guys have tried melatonin, you know that one, it can give you weird dreams, and two, it can leave you groggy and moving slow in the morning. This does not have that. Their final supplement that I'm super pumped about is called CBN oil. That one is a combination of CBD, CBN, and THC. If Zen is like a handgun, this is like a bazooka. This is the ultimate, most potent sleep aid on the market. This will have you sleeping deeper, longer, better, all that good stuff. No need to count sheep. You're going to be knocked completely out by this supplement. I swear by it. I think you guys are really going to like it. And if you want to read more about the ingredients, click the link that's either in the show notes or the caption, depending on where you're watching this and use code HYBRID in all caps at checkout for 20% off. Before we get into the episode, just want to give a quick shout out to Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. They are a sponsor of ours and we took them on because we talk a lot about testosterone, hormone replacement therapy, PED use, all that stuff. And because of that, you know, while we have opinions on that, we are not professionals in that space. If you have questions about whether you're a good candidate for that or not, these are the people that can help you with that. And Mark, I know that you have been a customer of theirs for you know quite some time so maybe you can speak to that a little bit yeah I I was going through the same thought process years ago and I had a lot of questions about you know the, the state of my blood work uh, my testosterone levels and as a performance athlete it was always a question that I had in the back of my mind guys please don't go to your local gym bro or guy on Instagram to get these questions answered for you where rejuvenation clinic provides solid medical advice they read your blood work they go to the results with you and they give you actionable and realistic steps 
for dealing with potential medical problems and not bullshit. This is for actual medical advice. So please, you know, if you have questions on this stuff, let them take your blood panels and give them a chance, give them a consult. And I promise you, they'll, they'll treat you right. I know they've done that for me over the years and I can only speak positively about my experience and the type of advice they've given me. Check them out in the show notes. They provide comprehensive assessments over telehealth. Now onto the show. That's usually George's role. Two, one. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing you would have watched the Jake Paul fight this weekend. Yeah, that was that was. An what were your thoughts? Out. Are you a, a combat? Are you a combat sports fan? Typically, semi. Like I'm. I'm. To be honest, I spend a lot of my time on on endurance sports. I watch combat sports. Like I was at. I was in Phoenix for Jake's fight with Anderson Silva. That was awesome. Oh, cool. And then my my co-founder is really tight with Jake. I'm, I I know Jake semi. My co-founder Jeff is really tight with Jake. He was in Riyadh for the fight, and oh, yeah, it seemed oh, like it was cool. you know very high stakes. And yeah, did we, our guy didn't win, but I think it was a a good fight and you know relatively good outcome. And I think we'll get him next time. I, yeah, I think, I think in terms of prize purse, he still won. Yeah, twenty five million for uh, for a loss is not bad. Yeah, yeah. I think it moved his career forward. You know, I think he didn't lose any face and yeah, the prize purse is nice. And I think have a lot of challengers for whatever's yeah, next. In the combat sports world, it's weird because people, they tend to lose face when they react poorly to a loss. So typically mm-hmm. somebody lose and they lose in a, in a way that's not really graceful. I think then they get a lot of backlash for it. But if it's like a really good bout, like, you know, a good example is recently the, uh, UFC fight between Islam Makachev and Alexander Volkanovsky, which was like a really high stakes. It could have been a double belt title fight for Volkanovsky, but he he lost, you know, somewhat controversially, but the whole world kind of thought of him in this really elevated way because he fought so well against this guy that, that people thought to be, you know, uh, somebody that you couldn't beat. So it was really interesting to, to see the parallel there. Yeah. And, and with the, with Jake Paul and Tommy, I feel like, both of those guys actually earned a lot of respect because you had Jake obviously coming, you know, Disney Channel, social media hadn't been taken seriously for, a, a, you know, a lot of people have started to, but a lot of people also still weren't taking him very seriously. And then the same thing with Tommy Fury coming from, uh, I don't know if you uh, are familiar with the show Love Island, but he was uh, he was like a reality TV star on Love Island while kind of starting out in boxing and that got him a lot of notoriety but you know he was always been sort of in the shadow of tyson fury and uh you know everyone was saying he's basically only fought you know cab drivers tomato cans and uh you know that was like that that was a good fight and i think if people who understand combat sports you know there were some complaints about them wrapping each other up a lot but um you know that was just what happens when you have a contrast of of styles like that so it was cool to see. Yeah, I props to both of them. And the rematch clause—that's a nice one. Jake had the yeah. rematch clause in in his contract, but if he won, he didn't have to to do the rematch. Yeah. It's smart. <laughs> Those guys know what they're doing. It's smart. It's really clever how they're building I, Jake, especially. But I think credit to both guys are building a lot of ecosystem around them. Like Jake's working a lot with Better, the micro betting platform and then they're the ring sponsor and just stacking it i think i think athletes these days and i think jake is emblematic because he comes from that in that entertainment background and he knows how to like get the impressions get the purse get the hey like the 
the group that's sponsoring the ring. I'm also a co-founder investor into, and like it just stacks, stacks, stacks really well. And it's not like some other person. I think combat sports has been played with that in the past. I'm not pointing fingers, naming names. They're like, hey, you're taking advantage of the fighter. The fighter is the one getting punched in the face. You're the one getting the paycheck off of it. I think that Fury and Paul clans are both like very smart. Make sure that, hey, like we're getting paid. Other people can get paid too, but like we are here. We're the ones getting the punches in the face. Like we're the the title guys here. Like we're going to make sure that all our different plates that are spinning in the world get some good uh, momentum off of this. So I guess well done on that side, on that dimension. For sure. And from, from like a longevity play too, uh, it's cool to see uh, Jake taking the non-traditional route. And I know it's something that he got heat for a lot, but the way I like to think about it is sort of like if I had to pitch the two routes to, you know, a parent and say, which one would you want your kid to take? He builds an audience sort of like commands his own price. Didn't have to get into, you know, have 50 fights <laughs> to earn a title shot, you know, uh, still has his mind intact and his health and all that stuff and has the time and resources to like dedicate his whole life to to the sport and and surrounding himself with the right people and the best coaches or it's like you know you have some young kid walks into a, a gym maybe he doesn't have the best coach it's just a gym that's close to him has to learn the hard way and take a ton of fights a big beating amateur career and might never make a lot of money off of it you know it's yeah jake has a lot of other ways he can make bread besides fighting he can he fights opportunistically when it's advantageous and he can stack on other things he has going on I, I, he likes it and takes it very seriously he's not it's, it's he's not just a tourist in it i don't think but that he's he's not like that young kid who just wow the only way i can get a million dollars is if i just keep fighting that's my my solo exit path is like jake's on some other level from that and it's i think inspiring a lot a lot of the athletes say we work with a lot of different types of athletes and uh there's something I always give advice to athletes is like, yo, like, well, especially while you're still active, build your following, like be like slightly, less, you're not even going to be less good, but like be like, take some of that seriousness that you take towards training, putting in reps at the track, at the gym, whatnot, put those reps into content as well. Like you have the discipline, you have the grit, like literally just put in a rep every day for the next one, two, three years, get your platform going. Like, that's what I always say to any, any athletes that we're working with, like, if you're not, I don't know, we're not all going to be Jake Paul level, but a lot of times the best athletes succeed after their career based on the platform that they built while they were that active athlete. And I think, yeah, I think the, the, the smarter athletes are getting wise to that. And then, yeah, in Jake's case, he had the platform first. So good for him. So how, how does the, the product that you guys produce, I've tried it actually, uh, not, not that I'm an endurance athlete like you and I haven't used it in the context I think you guys marketed in, but how do you guys work with the athletes that you sponsor and like what's your philosophy on the use of this, the, the, the ketone product basically with the performance athletes and combat athletes and other people that you might work with? Like how do you think it applies to them and like what's the kind of brand philosophy working with certain people? Totally, yeah. Our product's called Ketone IQ. We developed the world's most effective ketone delivery technology so you, you drink a shot of it we're in a bunch of bunch of places we're in on it joe rogan's gym in austin we're in equinox earth bar we're in we're launching the sprouts in a couple of weeks the second largest natural foods food chain in the u.s we were we just launched a partnership with huberman lab 
he's a big fan of the product. So I use it for endurance sports because that's my particular how I get my kicks. But we have a lot of people like we're all doing metabolism all the time. Can explain how the how the product really works, and it's. It's something that everyone can stand to benefit from. Our genesis, we got started on this. We launched the world's first ketone drink back in 2017. And then in 2019, we got a $6 million contract with the Department of Defense Special Operations Command. And those guys are, I mean, they're absolute badasses, right? The most elite of the most elite operators. And they are really interested in physically and cognitively demanding missions and how do you especially stay cognitively sharp. So some of the protocols that we're doing are like, they're, we're rucking on an incline at altitude. So like low oxygen. So you're either literally at altitude, like we're working with like the 10th mountain group in Colorado, or you're wearing the mask to like simulate hypoxia, low oxygen. So you're carrying weight, you're marching at an incline, you're low oxygen. And then at the end of that, you're doing target practice. And we're seeing that when people drink ketones and they elevate their blood ketone levels are able to have significantly better cognitive efficiency on those target wow. practices. So that matters if you're an Ironman athlete, right? You're on mile, whatever the hell, 140 mm-hmm. on your bike, uh, or you're in, you're a, in combat sports round four, you're taking some hits, like you need to stay sharp. And we have a lot of golfers who are into it because golfers, you may, may, may not know, like don't want to drink a lot of caffeine and get jittery. Sure, ketone yeah. IQ lets you get dialed in and just be alert. Can, can you dive into that a little bit? And, and I'm asking you as an idiot here. Like I, I, <laughs> I've been a, his, yeah, I mean, jokingly, but like I've been a historically a strength athlete. So my approach to diet and exercise have been very like end use specific in the sense that my entire strength career has been focused on maximizing my ability to lift the most amount of weight. Right. And, and, there, I think there's there's a lot of thought that goes into that in this community, and there's a, there's a lot of different philosophies on how to approach it. Um, so the product that you guys have in this ketone IQ approach to performance and cognitive enhancement, like, can you speak to how that actually affects the day-to-day of an athlete? Like, what's the mechanism at play? Like, if I, if I were to introduce this into my let's say diet, my, my recovery protocol, whatever you want to call it as a strength athlete, like how do you speak to that in my sense? And then more generally toward like your target audience and, and how you approach selling it. Totally. Yeah. And I wouldn't say you're apart from our target, target audience. Like USA weightlifting was early on our product. Like we work with a lot of folks and especially folks who are interested in maintaining or increasing their load while, uh, while maintaining their weight, like not adding too much bulk like if you have a weight class to hit Mm -hmm. um people get really interested in it so okay the basic way it works is that ketones are a form of fuel they're not sugar they're not caffeine they do have calories in them your body makes ketones naturally from fat you've probably heard of the ketogenic diet where i'm not and i'm not pushing the ketogenic diet we're not a ketogenic diet company i'm just mentioning it as like a yeah, yeah that's point. where my mind goes immediately too. That, that's the first because when I first tried it, he gave it to me like a, a month or two ago to, to try some of the stuff he sent us. You know, I I didn't really understand what I was taking, so part of this question is like a learning expedition for myself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. Look, and it's it's cool. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about. It. It's really exciting. I, what we're working on with ketones is as large as 
CBD or whey protein. I truly, the reason I'm working on this all day is I truly believe ketones will be in that pantheon of nutritional primitives, multi-billion dollar markets, something that's fueling people from all walks of life, right? Think about protein. It's like, yeah, weightlifters have it, but so does like my uncle who's like older and wants to maintain muscle mass as he's, as he's getting, as he's aging. So there, like, there's a lot of uses for these nutritional primitives and uh, yeah, appreciate the opportunity to spread the word. No one's an idiot. I don't know. I was an idiot. We're all an idiot. I wasn't born knowing any of this stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I always say that jokingly because I'm like, I, I know the things that I know very well. And then beyond that, like, I, I love to take that approach. Like I approach the conversation as if I'm the idiot that you're trying to sell to so I can understand it, and get my head around this specific thing. Yeah. I have a, a favorite subreddit. Really? You ever seen it? Explain to me like I'm five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's like ELI five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they'll have like you know a scientist on and take a really complex topic and you know talk to you as if it's yeah. you know mm-hmm. in terms of apples and oranges and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's so good. It's so good on the like that's a, that's a final level of mastery. I think is that if someone really understands it, they should be able to explain to like it's five year old and they should be able to explain it at whatever PhD level. But I think sometimes when people this is going kind of kind of meta here, but I think sometimes when people explain things and it comes across too technical jargony, sometimes I feel like they're, it's like, it's like the, the three card Monty person. It's like, I don't know, you're throwing jargon in terms and like, <laughs> you sound smart, but I don't really get what you're talking about. Like, so you explain it like I'm five. <laughs> explain to me like I'm five. What is, what are ketones and how do they benefit athletes? Yeah. Okay. So your body can make ketones. You, you make ketones from fat. This is part of our DNA. Humans have made ketones for 300,000 years since on the savanna. Whenever you run low on blood glucose, your body makes ketones. So that's if you're fasting or starving, if you're doing endurance exercise, even just like walking around four, five, six miles. And especially when you're doing that in the absence of processed carbohydrates, there's no peanut butter cups on the savanna. So you're, you're walking around, there's maybe some carbs here and there, but you're mainly often depleting your blood glucose and then your body is turning fat into something called ketones. And the reason why is that your brain can use glucose and you can use ketones. Your brain cannot use fat. Fat's too big. It doesn't cross a blood-brain barrier. Blood-brain barrier is really selective in what it lets in naturally to protect your brain. So the brain can use glucose. It can use ketones. So when you run low on glucose on the savanna, your body needs to turn fat into ketones. A lot of people are familiar with you know, bulletproof coffee, for instance, or the ketogenic diet where like, you eat fat, you don't eat carbs, and you make your body make a lot of ketones. And people have different, you know, different responses to that. Some people love it. Some people lose a lot of weight. Some people do it for a short amount of time to get like beach bod ready or to cut or whatever, fit into their wedding dress, wedding suit, and then go back to more normal diet. But the point is that your body can always make ketones. And we've known for a while, we've known for decades, and this was what like DARPA and the US military was interested in, even prior to our getting involved, which, which is that like the ketone itself is this like super fuel that when your body makes it, it's super efficient. It crosses the blood brain barrier. It turns into ATP, which is cellular energy. If people remember like ninth grade, yeah, high school. Yeah. Biology. It's like power plant of the cell, right? Like it makes ATPs for your all your functions in your cell. Ketones turn into ATP really efficiently without making a lot of oxidative stress or making or using much oxygen. There's this super fuel. And the mystery for the last few decades was like, okay, well, how do you like make a ketone? Like, how do you go in 
like create a ketone in a way that's like palatable, drinkable, affordable, effective. And that's where we picked up the narrative where like, basically it was all in, a, it was like lab bench mode. And in 2017, we raised money. Andreessen Horowitz is one of our big backers from our pre-seed round. We raised a bunch of money and then attacked the issue and got the world's first ketone drink at scale. We we're the first ones to make, you know, a hundred thousand of these and get a big contract with the DOD and then continuing building from there until we're literally in every gym, restaurant, grocery store, everywhere in America. Um, and then to answer the question, okay, in terms of how does it work? It works because it crosses the blood brain barrier, makes your brain feel good. That's how a ketone works. Okay. I like that. So you explained to me like I'm five. That's great. <laughs> Coming full circle there. I do have a question that's sort of a tangent. Um, so what's it like? How does one get involved with the Department of Defense? Because I imagine they're getting pitched contracts all the time. Uh, you can't just roll up on a base and sling some product to them <laughs> and like, say, was this like a war dog situation? <laughs> we were going through that list that they put up on that movie and like, ah, great. They got a ketone contract out there. Sick. What's up guys. Just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at HVMN. They have an awesome supplement called ketone IQ. I take it every morning with my coffee. It helps me avoid that midday caffeine crash. And sometimes if I'm really dragging my ass into the gym, I'll take two shots of this before I come in if I really need to feel focused and fired up. There are only five ingredients in the supplement, so they're not hiding behind a proprietary blend or any other nonsense that some of the supplement companies in the industry do. Quick disclaimer, this is, let's just call it an acquired taste. We're not here for mouth pleasure. We're here for performance. And that is what this is going to give you. So make sure to hit the link in the show notes and use code HYBRID in all caps, 20% off. There, there was a existing interest in preservation of the force, extension of longevity of warfighter performance, especially for special operators. So if anyone's trying to get involved with the, the military, you always, it's like fitting two puzzle pieces together. The interest needs to be there at some level. The DOD is massive. It's, you know, it's the largest business in the world. If you want to look at it that way, it's, you know, trillion dollar budget and a lot of money in, a lot of money out. You don't do, yeah, you don't just like go onto the base or like walk, roll up to the Pentagon. Hi, I can <laughs> give a minute. To talk I about hear that's frowned upon. <laughs> Yeah, so it's there's a lot of the the plus side of working with the the DoD is there's a lot of different groups, right? Like the Air Force, AFWERKS, Special Forces, Special Operations component will have its own budget and contracting vehicles, and then the Navy Health Research Center will have its own. So it's it's not like you have to go all the way up the total ladder all the way into the Pentagon every single time. Uh, we eventually did get there as far as getting in with. Special Operations Command, they are pretty central, but you basically need to find the right operator group that has a pre-existing demand for whatever you're trying to solve for, whether it's nutrition, whether it's better bullets, better radar, better AI technology. Like nutrition isn't the biggest thing that the DOD spends money on, probably not a surprise. Like they, they buy planes and bombs and, and guns sure. mainly, but we found some pockets of interest around nutrition. We're able to thread the needle on it and it's ongoing so i mean we're reaching the tail end of our like did you guys have connections with somebody there or you know because like 
I think of that and it's like, how do you infiltrate this massive organization? Like, did you guys know somebody within the organization or was there like a procurement process that you got picked up through or how'd that work? Yeah, there, we know at this point, we know a lot of people and it's not that you've done a lot of business development and selling into enterprise sales. You often need like multiple advocates internally. So Pete Pace, the former chair of the Joint Chiefs, highest ranking military officer reported to Bush and then Obama. He's a board advisor, investor in our business. We met him when we were along our way. So we had already done some of the contracting and then he got involved in that unlock, you know, some new doors as well. There's a couple other folks, Admiral Alex Krongard, he started SEAL Team 7. He was involved early on. That was an introduction through one of our investors. It, it, it's like at this point, we know a bunch of people. There wasn't like a single person that made or break. It was kind of like straw that straw that breaks the camel's back in a sense. Like you just keep meeting people and then people hear about you from everywhere. And then and then you find the right person. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there's this there, there's this program called uh SBIR, Small Business Innovation Research, that was going on for many years. Maybe you heard of it. It's in I'm not sure if it's getting continued. I, in my opinion, it should be. It basically reached the end of what it was congressionally approved for. It was active for many years. So it's SBIR, Small Business Innovation Research. We were able to hook into that where their express goal is like the DOD doesn't do a lot of development like internally. They're paying Lockheed Martin or they're paying like startups to go and figure out things and like bring it back to them. Like, hey, go discover, go figure out ketones, come back to us. Hey, go figure out better radar, come back to us. Like, so that's the regular manner of how the DOD works. So in that sense, it's not impossible to figure out some way in as long as you're meeting a need that already exists and then you, you know, credibly are solving that. And then yeah, it always helps to know people and and ha yeah, have the right intros and being if people yeah. are hearing from you. Seemingly very difficult process, but I, I guess it comes back to the same, like I have my own business too. Like I, a lot of it is just networking and referral based and you go from one person to another person. Having an internal champion is always your surest way in. Same with having a warm intro from person to person. So like, I love talking to people about the business development component of how they start their business because it's it's never a cookie cutter path. You know, it's it's always super interesting to get one person's path versus another person's path and see the way that they got their first paying customer even like i think that's super cool yeah i mean i have i have a, a million questions and hopefully we can get through them all if not we'll have to have you on again but um i want to sort of back up in before we dive into the inception of the business and all, all of those things uh i want to go through your own um athletic journey because you just mentioned you know, finding a need for something and then basically, you know, offering the solution for that need. And I imagine you would have come across that through your own athletic pursuits. Uh, for those who don't know, you have a pretty wicked fast marathon time. And what was it? Two hours and 46 minutes. Is oh that God. correct? Yeah. Low, low 240s. Yeah. It's around six minute mile pace for the whole 26.2. That's, that's pretty that wild. When we looked that up, we were like, what do you think you could run a mile in? I think I could do if I only had to run one mile, I can crack seven, and but then that I would be, uh, you know, in a, a lot of pain for a long time. I think. Don't, don't <laughs> I ask could, me. I could suffer, right? Because endurance uh, is is just largely it's a suffering game. Like you obviously need the condition and the athletics, but it's like yeah. you you know someone who's willing to just 
be hurt for a long time is going to do a lot better than somebody who's you know sensitive in that space i don't know know what broke in my brain when i don't when i was a kid or what i I love (laughs) it it's like I, i love it i will tell you though that a big part of what really shifted me from like kind of three hours to like much faster was lifting when i started doing deadlifts and like well, really? around around that really like focusing on like glute max glute me like really working on my strength and mobility like i was running the same amount i would just i just got way faster because basically like when you're running a marathon you're going at some percentage of your max muscle strength if it's a whole, you know, it's a multi-hour event, you're probably going at like 70% of your max for that whole time. You can't go 100 is like one rep max. You can hold kind of like 60, 70 for like, you know, however many thousands of reps it takes to run a marathon. And so there's some function where if your muscle is just getting stronger, then like 70% of like stronger is a bigger number. And it, I, that's one of the things I've pushed a lot of runners who are kind of getting stuck is like, you know, like try running a little less. Like, like, how's your deadlift? It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's super counterintuitive, you know, and, and we've talked about this a lot within the context of even uh, different strength sports discipline. Uh, for example, Olympic weightlifting is similar in that sense where a lot of people, especially in the Western world, they'll approach Olympic weightlifting like that's their that's their sport, but they treat it like that's their training as well. So I always like to use the example of like a football player, right? If a football player's goal is to get stronger, they're going to go in the gym and do squat and deadlift and all this other stuff, right? They're not going to tape weights all over their body and then go play football and hope that makes them stronger, right? (laughs) It's like you get stronger in the gym and then you tune that into some specific goal by actually practicing whatever you're going to compete in. You break it into pieces. You can't always just do the direct literal thing and that's the only way to get better at you you don't just get better at tennis by hey playing tennis all day it's like you break it into pieces of like okay what's the stamina component what's the arm strength component what's the footwork component what's the same with any sport you're always breaking it into pieces and then like really really working those pieces and then the pieces come back together and then the whole is hopefully stronger so yeah yeah so you talked about something breaking in your brain potentially as a kid that pushed you to this enjoyment of suffering so how did you yeah what what was your early athletic career did you play traditional sports and how did you find yourself uh you know doing triathlons and marathons and stuff like that i was a big soccer player growing up i played a little bit of tennis as well i was a four-year varsity high school soccer guy and team captain all that was really into soccer and then through i always ran a little bit you got to run a good amount in soccer and then I just a lot of people can maybe resonate with this where like you you get to a certain like peak level in high school college and like your key sport for me it was soccer and then at some point you like walk away from it and it's really hard to ever come back because i'm not going to be as good at soccer as i was when i was like 19 like i was because i was really good i was playing like you know nine times a week i was just like playing a lot of soccer so like to me it, I, i've seen this with a lot of people like people who been way even more accolades than me in athletics like after your after your college football days you you do something else like you're not you can't play football and not to mention the whole team dynamic it's hard to get like i mean soccer you got to get at least like five six buddies together like coordinating as your busy adult so i naturally just gravitated into other things i could do on my own time 
things that weren't soccer. I still do active other things. I still will play a little soccer here and there, but uh, I got really drawn into endurance. And, you know, I don't know what broke in me. I like, I enjoy it. Like after this, I'm going to go for a seven, eight mile run here in Griffith Park. And like, just that it's like my happy place. I don't know why Where do you or live? what is it's the same way you you enjoy oh, the burn right. of lifting. Okay. It's like, you just love it. I can't explain it. It just is. I just like it. Yeah. I mean, I think we're the same, like kind of masochistic sense in the strength sports world. Cause yeah, I, I've never met a single person who's looked at me and they're like, you know, I would also like to put 800 pounds on my back and that <laughs> seems enjoyable. People just laugh. They're like, you're nuts. You're out of your mind. I, and I, I feel the same way. Like my dad's uh, not, he's not a competitive cyclist by any means, but you know, he's like 62, but he found his athletic stride when he was like in his forties and he started biking and, you know, he goes 200 miles a week. I mean, and it, and it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. You know, I think that everybody has, the ability to be predisposed to something like that and you find your niche and it's weird because in in the strength sports world there's a lot of tribalism and kind of uh this aversion toward cardio things like that you know at a certain point like it just becomes a little bit unrealistic to be able to run like you know i'm a little bit too heavy to run at this point but he breaks the sidewalk that's why <laughs> <laughs> but, look, but you don't seem like you're you're you don't seem like you're tribal about it like you have a problem with no, no, you don't know, get their kicks in other ways. It's like we're all, we all. No, I, I think type it's, I think it's awesome. With or, yeah. I think that like because I look at running and I, I, if I see somebody who can run a marathon, I think that's insane. Like in a good way, like you have the athletic tendency, you have this ability to apply yourself, be able to run eight miles. Like it's it's incredible. And I think the same thing about cycling and basically every other sport out there. You know, I, I can admire maybe the dedication of bodybuilders. I don't love the sport in and of itself but i i think that kind of the approach you got you're taking what you're talking about here is trying to reach as many people that have a fitness background and apply this philosophy that you guys have toward health and longevity is really interesting because i'm i'm really curious uh, one of the things that i know we want to bring up today was biohacking quote unquote and i this is kind of the first thing that came to mind when i heard of of you know this ketone things. I first went back to that whole bulletproof coffee thing and Dave Asprey stuff. And like, there's, there's a lot of interesting components to the word biohacking, but you know, do you think that the ketone approach to mental performance and physical performance is up that alley? And if so, like, how do you see it applying to people that might not necessarily be performance athletes, but they could be, you know, high functioning, uh, let's say executives or somebody in the business world. Well, no, no, I'm saying like people in the business world, like how do you like outside of sport cognitive enhancement? Because I've, I've dabbled in that a little bit myself. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, what your, what you guys, what your take is on it, I guess. Thanks for watching. I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Cured Nutrition. My favorite supplement by them is called Rise. If you want something that's going to give you quick energy, long lasting, no jitters, no crash, all that good stuff. It has ingredients like lion's mane, ginseng. If you want to read more about it, check it out on their website. But you can use our code HYBRID in all caps for 20% off. Hit the link and again, use the code HYBRID for 20% off. Well, look, we're all performance athletes at our whatever we're trying to do. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur, that's tough work. Trying to be a good parent, that's a that takes a lot of stamina and strength and all of that. So we're all performance athletes. And when I was in biohacking, I I think it's a great concept where, you know, over the last decade, I 
people have gotten really dialed in. I, would, I always think about it as the human body is becoming a tech platform where we're getting a sense of what's going on inside of our body. Hopefully not too jargony here, but I feel like the human body is becoming an API. And what I mean by that is it's becoming a computer system that you can like wear a whoop or an aura or an apple watch and you can read the signal it's like you're driving a car and the dashboard lights are coming on and before you didn't even know your oil level your gas level your rpms and now you can see your blood glucose level if you're wearing a continuous glucose monitor you can see your heart rate variability if you're wearing certain wearables that have that sensor and so we're able to see what's going on inside of our body and that's everyone that's that started a lot with athletes but now like we were just talking about that knowledge worker, that entrepreneur, that person who just wants to perform well, be a good parent, get a promotion, get like provide for their family. They want to be more dialed in at work. They're wearing the the whoop or the aura or whatever. And we're all becoming performance athletes. And then it follows from there that people are getting really mindful on what they're putting into their body. I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of people who are like they don't touch caffeine after noon because their aura like set like sends them a warning message. The next day it fucks your sleep score up right like yeah that's cowardly behavior <laughs> I, i'm a big i'm a not like a not like cocaine but i'm a big fan of stimulants caffeine being one of them uh, but i i get what you're saying it works and I, I think we all have our own you know preferences what we like to do and not do and it was for some the point is that the tools are becoming more available to do i don't even think it's called biohacking anymore i think it was called biohacking five, 10 years ago. And now it's just like, I don't know, my aunt wears her Apple watch and gets in her 10,000 steps, you know, like my, like you're, you pay, you can pay attention to things. It's like the early computer people, the homebrew computing club in the seventies, eighties, there's a bunch of nerd balls hacking at shit. And now we all now 8 billion people have a computer in their pocket. And I don't think it's called hacking anymore. So I think this idea of biohacking or just like paying attention to what's going on, like the ability to get, I don't know. I just, yesterday I was, my friend started this company called blokes and just through my phone, I set up some, someone came to my office and like did all the blood draws. And then I'm going to get it on my computer, like the full, like all 47 hormones, testosterone, what? everything like, wow. And in home, I didn't even leave my screen. Really? I, I was right here and it all happened. Like the, we're living in the future. We're able to get this visibility into our body as a system. And then it follows and there are people are making decisions around that to optimize for whatever, whether it's longevity, whether it's, one rep max, whether it's faster 400 around the track, like whatever it is, we're able to optimize for that. Not, I'm not saying everyone is definitely not. Everyone is, you know, no, I, I would probably, it, it's an option. It's a tool. We, yeah, all have, we all have the, the ability to do it now. It, it, yeah. It's, I never really thought of it like that before, but it's a really interesting point that you make, because if you look even just to the, uh, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 34. Okay, so you're right around our our similar age. You know, if you just go one generation back to like our our parents, that was a time where somebody would get a, a shoulder injury in football, and it was just like, well, I guess I have a bad <laughs> shoulder now for the rest of my life. Yeah, or like a bad back, and like, okay, well now I can't do anything with my back. But like, where you're going with this is cool because you can now monitor all this stuff externally. And I've we talk about this a ton. Another sponsor of our podcast is actually an HRT clinic and it's really interesting because i'm we're involved in the world of strength sports and like take that for what it is but 
being able to continuously and accurately monitor your blood panels. Like I can't, I've been trying to convince my dad for like the last five years. I was like, dad, why don't you get your blood drawn? See what your testosterone levels are. And he's like, no, no, no. I just got it done. Like they're really high. And I was like, well, tell me exactly when you had your last blood panel done. And he was like, well, like before you were born. And I'm like, what do you mean? You just had this 31 years ago. So you're telling me 32 years ago, you said you had high testosterone. Like, what do you think's happened between now and then? Yeah, you just doubled since. Right. And, and, and I think that just speaks to the mindset of this generation that like yeah. your your analogy of it being a tech platform is interesting because now I know personally, like if you want to be stronger, you can influence your body to do that through certain means. If you want to be more cognitively enhanced, there's things you can take for that. And like they're exogenous, but they work, right? And all of these little mechanisms that you can use to influence the body to perform better I mean, obviously, while trying to do it in the safest and healthiest way possible, to me, the the cornerstone of that is blood work, maintaining accurate and consistent blood panels and understanding what's going on in your body so you can be proactive. Because, like, who the hell wants to drop dead of a heart attack if it's preventable with like a, a simple blood draw, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well said. I think that's great advice. Like, regardless of which way you want to optimize or what supplement you're considering, base table stakes, just start getting a a baseline draw like to see what's going on well it's like your bank account right like do you want to go to the ferrari dealer and be like i would like one ferrari please and you have 70 bucks in the bank account like (laughs) you're operating with bad information and if you're trying to achieve something like i know for me personally and you could probably speak to this too but achieving like what in our world would be considered a a a top one percent or elite level of strength is a very demanding process that you can't just like, there's maybe two guys I know that have done it in spite of themselves. Dan Bell. <laughs> like what, yeah. were, they, were they just like smoking, smoking cigarettes or something? No, that, this is like inarguably the strongest man in the world has the highest powerlifting total ever. of all time ever. And he will be in the back room of a powerlifting competition, warming up and just crushing beers. The whole way. Like, and like he'll have like 10 beers by the end of a no powerlifting meet. No one on earth can beat this man. <laughs> it's Living, <laughs> dead, you know, past, present, future. He's a freak of nature. But everybody else I've spoken to in this world, and now we've had enough people on and that we know in the community itself that, you know, there's a lot of consideration now into the ways we're, quote unquote, influencing our body to perform. You know, I don't want to wake up. You know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I don't want to wake up and have brain fog all day and not be able to execute on all of these things that are going to move the needle of my business. So I'm always trying to find ways that are not going to kill me and also going to help me cognitively perform and, you know, uh, feel physically better. And a big component of that's been influencing the body itself through uh, means of recovery like sauna and cold plunge. And, uh, you know, this this other things that I've considered that have been very influential in terms of like cognitive enhancement, but you know, it's, it's cool to see the, the effect that you guys are having. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting what you're saying too, where you're an athlete and you're an entrepreneur and we're seeing a lot of that hybrid where you're, you got a fuel for your workout, but then after your workout, you still got you know eight, 10 plus hours of like work, work to do. And so is it like a post-workout or is it a post-workout fuel or is it like a pre-entrepreneur fuel? Like I, I get it's both. Like I, I just need fuel for all the things that I'm doing throughout the day. And that's where 
that's what I'm really excited because a lot of a lot of how people fuel in the standard American diet is a lot of sugar, not great, and then a lot of a lot of caffeine, which you know people have different tolerance levels, different you know juries out on it, and I, I don't vilify caffeine. I I drink coffee every day, uh, but what's cool about what we've created with ketone IQ is it's no sugar, no caffeine, and it's this fuel that cuts through your brain fog. So like if you're if you're hungover, I don't think a lot of performance athletes are drinking a lot these days, except that that guy you mentioned. Um, yeah, but most Just of the like, best oh, one. Yeah, he he needs to keep drinking though. He, whatever he's doing, like if Dan Bell puts down the beer, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, this is a tangent question, but if you if you were playing uh, God, so to speak, in in the world that we live in, and you were able to design like a list of supplements. Uh, Maybe lifestyle choices, foods, uh, you know, maybe nootropic supplements. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind, and like I've been hinting at it for the last few minutes, but something I've discovered is something called modafinil, which I know Dave Asprey was really big on. It's kind of like a off late. It's a wakefulness promoting drug. It's really interesting. Like I use that from time to time. I find it to be very effective. But you know, if if we were to give you the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, like what would you? put on the list of must-haves for performance, physical well-being, and health? Totally. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I'm always experimenting on on new things too. I think like table stakes, got to get good sleep. I've been obsessed with good sleep for a while. Recently, I actually started like taping my mouth just the last couple oh, of yeah. weeks while I sleep. Uh, some really interesting research. There's a big Huberman Lab episode around breathing and just in general, nose breathing is a lot better have, have you guys tried this either sleeping or yeah. just throughout your day or with tape or without just focusing on your nose i i have actually i do it uh when i'm doing cardio i try to really focus on it it's challenging for me i've been just like i haven't had great airways in my, in my nose for my whole life since being a kid so i've been a bit of a mouth breather and it's something I've been actively trying to correct. And it's 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 actually quite challenging because it's easy to do when you're thinking about it. But as soon as your attention is diverted, it's if you haven't found a way to make that just the way you breathe, it's really difficult to get there. So it's something I'm still working on. But we had um, one of the best powerlifters in the world on the podcast. Uh, we just recorded one last week. His name's Shane Hunt. And he's huge on on that. So he's he was telling us a lot of the different uh, statistics about you know the average person. I think he said breathes between like like thirty five to forty times per minute when when ideally we should be taking about six to eight breaths per minute. When you contrast those two, it's very easy to get caught up. Sorry, no, it's not even close. Yeah, it's you know it's very easy to just get caught up with short breaths and, and, you know, just that become your, your kind of average way you go about yeah. life. But it's, there's so many different things that breathing affects, you know, whether it's, you know, anxiety, your heart rate and blood pressure, all these things are all kind of interconnected. So. Yeah. It activates parasympathetic nervous system makes whatever you're doing, you're just doing it more relaxed. Not about you guys from powerlifting, but I know a lot in running, it's like the, you can't like try and run faster. You need to try and run at the same speed, but easier, like do it more relaxed. Like if you can run at the same speed, but like breathe in through your nose while you're doing it, then all of a sudden, like the next level unlocks itself. 
it's this weird like you can't actually try and grab it like that faster speed i, I does that analogy exist in your world yeah yeah well the powerlifting world's a really strange place to draw analogies from because it's such a chaotic type sport like there's just there's so much energy and i i'm probably one of the more like laid back powerlifters or just kind of took it like a really chill approach and wasn't all hyped up and crazy but a lot of the guys out there are very animated spending a lot of energy on emotion and just very you know know, very very aggressive toward what they're doing which is i i do that you know when things are crazy and heavy but uh yeah that it's i think the more you can relax like and i've always told people this like you don't need to expend energy you know go sit down so there, there is a parallel there between finding a way to do the same task but easier and using less energy because ultimately like as a runner why do you want to spend energy trying to do something like with brute force when you can think about breathing through your nose perhaps and now you're running more effectively and and you don't actually have to expend more energy to do it you just have to kind of connect this new neural pathway of like oh breathe through the nose interesting interesting kind of hack it's interesting through through life like aside from exercise as well just throughout the day through sleeping definitely increases nitric oxide production which increases blood oxygenation helps calm you down so it's it's interesting i i suggest people try it out you can try it with like duct tape if you have it in your supply closet or there's like brands that have products that are specially designed for it might be frowned upon though it has an odd look <laughs> yeah well if you're just sleeping it's like it's uh yeah it's not great for the you know pillow talk with the wife but it's uh yeah biohacking yeah kind of I, I do that in my own way i have a, a cpap i have to use i guess i got too big for normal breathing but uh second that thing's on I was like oh sorry honey we can't talk anymore i'm going to bed uh got the whole mask situation <laughs> yeah so, okay, nose breathing is super interesting, definitely area of investigation. Other other area I'm big on is barefoot. I So when, when I personally lift, I I go barefoot or I'll wear like the the Vibrams if I'm at the gym that are like the kind of toe shoes. They're weird. They're, they're really dorky looking. I, you I tried like Vivos? Them. You need to talk to Shane. Oh, my God. You guys get along like too- I have a pair of Vivos that I wear. They're like nicer. I wear those like more out in the real world. I should, I don't know. I should maybe just wear those. Are great nice. shoes. Yeah. So the the guy that we just had on, Shane Hunt, he's a young, really really talented powerlifter. We talked about this quite a bit throughout the show. He was a, uh, he's like a big proponent of the barefoot shoes, and so am I. I've been wearing Vivos for you know the last five years because I'm really tall. I'm like six three, and you know heavy now since. I'm- since I've been in my powerlifting career and I, any shoe that has too much of uh, support on the bottom, I find it very hard to make ground contact and I find myself kind of like swaying around and it just feels better. That's interesting, right? Cause you would say, I feel like the, there's an, there's another counterpoint to that, that I don't agree with that would say, Oh, you're a big guy. You're putting a lot of impact on your body. Like where the cushiest, most supportive arch support, like where like you need the most. And you're saying the opposite. And I agree with you. Like I, I, I can go. I think today, yeah, I packed my my toe shoes for my seven eight mile run. Like I don't. I could. I've done it. I've done that same run barefoot too. You get a little cut up, but like, I th- the feet, man, they are beautiful machines, and we shouldn't be like wrapping them up with kitty gloves. Yeah, well, that's a good way to put it. I, I mean, I beat the crap out of mine. I don't know if you know anything about hockey, but uh, I I grew up playing hockey till I was nineteen. I was in. Uh, I grew up in Canada, so that that's the law, basically. Um, and <laughs> what those hockey 
skates do to your feet is just brutal. Like it, my, my feet are a different shape than like what they're supposed to be. You know, the, you see the comparisons I'm sure all the time, you know, what people show what your foot is supposed to basically look like this freaky hand <laughs> at the end of your leg, uh, you know, and most people are crushed together. And I have that with, especially my pinky toe from the front of the skate really curving in. So when I stopped playing hockey, I was like, I got one of the first ever models of the barefoot shoes when they first came out. So I was trying to correct it. It was like, it was the Adidas. It was an Adidas, uh, mm -hmm. look, literally looked like a water shoe. And uh, I used to go to the gym at my university and people would just look at me like, you know, like I had two heads or something. It was like, like a freaky thing, but I loved them. And I even started, uh, I brought them over into powerlifting and I was lift. I was like the only guy in powerlifting, you know, you have all these crazy, you know, tatted head to toe, big beard, you know, really aggressive looking dudes. And then I'm coming in with my cute little toe shoes. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, I wanted to. One before before I forget, I, I gave you the position of God, right? Oh, that's so if right. we were if we were to if you were to design like a world of perfect supplement, not perfect, but your list of supplements. He was going through habits too. So we got habits, yeah. So nasal breathing, but like things that people can physically take action in terms of supplementation, yeah. nootropics, foods. Like what what's on your list? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's where we're going now. We're we're like you know, nose breathing. We like barefoot. As far as things to eat, I creatine, you know, well, I think creatine is having a like second wave for cognitive performance. So I've been taking creatine and it's really good for, you just feel mentally sharp on it. I think that's like the sleeper benefit of it, where it was, it's not just this muscle pre-workout, at least in my circles, I see it a lot for people that are not power lifters that are they're not having it as a pre-workout. They're having it as like regular supplements that's that's i think super interesting um we love ketone iq got it. i always have that alongside my coffee in the morning black coffee i actually like to put i still have like bulletproof coffee like i'll put mct into my coffee mct is a form of fat that we like because it turns into ketones i stay away from sugar if i could put like a negative on my god list it'd be like stay away from sugar like not great for you unless you're literally about to go do something active and like yeah, if you're gonna burn it, like sugar does work as a as a pre workout, but you, you don't actually want to have a, like ambient lingering high blood sugar. It's not good for you. You're, you're just gonna die sooner, basically. Um, well, what about in terms of like so creatine, ketone IQ, obviously? Yeah, yeah. I, and, so any nootropics that you like? Yeah, look, if if it's you know legal or prescribed to be a doctor in your locale, there's a lot of interesting research around psilocybin in micro doses on like a regular basis, something I've taken a, a look at where you're not like tripping balls, but you have like, like 10% you know, of a, the balls tripping dose. So like you almost, you don't, you barely would feel it. And you're, there's no visuals, there's no hallucinogenic, anything. It's just like a mood elevation. Your synapses are I've done that better. trained a couple of times. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's interesting too, cause it's like, you have this like experience the day of, but it also can stack well, like when you have it habitually over time. And then if you don't have it for a week or two, you still just feel like, like you can just grab at the words a little bit quicker and you're more lucid. And the idea the create, you sit down to write something, the ideas come a little quicker and things are sharper. You just feel like there's more beautiful photos to take in the world. Like the world is the same, but for some reason it feels more vivid. Yeah, I, 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 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I had I a period it. of time where where I was doing it pretty consistently every Sunday because Sunday was a day where I would not work in the traditional sense, but I would think a lot about, you know, directions I want to take things and, you know, potential ideas, whether it be through apparel or a training business or whatever it is. Um and I found it to be really enjoyable. And a lot, like, like you said, you know, it, it, the application towards being more creative and all that stuff was nice, but it's, it, it also has this other effect that's sort of just uplifting in general where, you know, you can, you go outside and everything, you know, feels a little bit brighter, you know, a little more vivid and kind of, you know, like you said, you're not tripping or anything, but you're, I don't know, it's almost like you can appreciate all the stuff that you would normally kind of just consider background yeah and it's interesting have you heard the don't date theory no what's that yeah that's how we like how our brains develop. You, you go ahead and tell it actually it's an yeah i've never story. heard it before it's super interesting that basically that the first being to have a human experience was actually an advanced ape that was like tripping on magic mushrooms and had the like if you're an ape and you have a higher consciousness experience that that would be like being a human where you'd have the basic theory of empathy and around, uh, oh, wow, that person is, that other monkey, that other advanced chimp is like me. They have thoughts and feelings. And when they stub their toe, it hurts them like it hurts me, like those basic kind of human one-on-one things. And what's interesting is in the anthropological evidence that there's this period of time where there's a rapid expansion of human brain size in like 40,000 years, which is like blink of an eye in evolutionary context like why did the human brain expand so rapidly during this specific period and it seems like it lines up with a period where humans were also spending a lot of time in these tribal groups and there was naturally psilocybin based mushrooms growing around in the world and people were yeah, like eating them and that that's when there was a first development of like symbolic systems and writing and language and expanded brain size and upright walking and developments of early agriculture and then who knows like what you know which came first the chicken or the egg like wait, like at what point did the like human as we would define it emerge but it's is it interesting do you imagine being the first neanderthal to like whenever, pick a mushroom and be like all right guys we're trying this thing let's see how it goes and then all of a sudden he's just fucking tripping balls it's he's also like, a very different whoa. experience if i mean that's basically <laughs> like getting drugged right it's not yeah. if you don't know that's the experience you're signing up for and you're just some neanderthal and you just you're like oh it's tasty you could have the best or the worst experience of your life yeah, yeah. I, I i guess he had a good one he must have gone back to all of his buddies and said you gotta try this <laughs> <laughs> the mushroom on that rock over there man that's shit's nuts <laughs> yeah i mean it, look and it goes back to what's interesting about what we're talking about in general i think across this whole conversation is like hey what's what's in your god mode toolkit or in general what are we as humans getting smarter at using what's cool is that it's actually just part of being a human since forever is that we've always been participants in our own evolution what makes humans humans is that we use tools and we like affect our own change of our own situation around us as well as our own personal setup within the situation right like a a monkey is a monkey and it's been a monkey and will continue to be a monkey for a hundred thousand years. Like humans have made massive progress over like really short amount of time because of the way that we use technology, because of the way that we like develop antibiotics, the way we develop this, this, that. And that that's 
like the, the application of fire to food makes food you know you're kind of pre-digesting it with the fire like eating raw food is very metabolically expensive if you cook it okay it's not broken down all the way but it's like sort of broken down your, your stomach can digest it more easily and you're less likely to get sick via some food poisoning and so like we're applying technology to the world around us since forever and we're going to continue to do that it's just like the tool set now looks more advanced than it ever did in the past but in a sense it's it's super lindy right it's a super like we've been doing it forever and we're going to continue doing it we just have like a new set of tools around us right now but we've always been doing it and what do you think the next frontier is of I don't want to say evolution because that's a very broad, slow moving thing, but we're as a species certainly accelerating the pace at which we innovate on a very exponential scale right now. And I think that applies to obviously technology and that applies to, you know, the physical world around us. But when it comes to the human body and the way that the, that our society is treated, because if you look back on it, I was just reading this article today on like Forbes or some, some one of those publications and like, the world of of fitness has changed unbelievably in favor of strength training and and very rigorous physical fitness regimens. It's society applauds it more. It's not, bodybuilding, for example, is not just seen as a frontier for these steroid freaks, and you know it's more of a acceptable way to increase muscle mass, increase strength, and also increase your health. But you know. If we put you back in the God seat, what do you see as the next frontier in human evolution in terms of physical and cognitive performance? I think we're going to get into implants quicker than people think. I think they're going to, there's going to be some really interesting implants that come about. It's going to be a little bit weird, just like when smartphones first came about. It was like, uh, who's like, I know one or two people with an iPhone. And then like two years later, everyone has one. It's going to be like that. I think that the potential of a super valuable implant and the idea that it just like goes in once and you never think about it again. And it just provides you with like either super valuable data about your stress levels, recovery. Like imagine something that's like just works, no disrespect to any of the wearables, the whoops, or whatever, but imagine something that just works 10 times better. Hey, maybe it'll be one of those companies that does it anyway. So it's all good. But like, imagine there's something that just works 10 times better than these. Like, I don't know how good it's reading my, heart rate through my like hairy ass arm here. And like, it's kind of, you know, sometimes a little spotty, flaky signal. Like what if there's something that just implants once painless forever and just gives you like crystal clear data on like 10 key biomarkers. Like I, you know, I would do that. I like in a second, I'm kind of biohackery. I think we all are, but like, I would do that in a second. If you have something else, it's like, I don't know, maybe there's a supplement that you really like, or you're on TRT or you're on another, some other protocol. What if there was something that you could implant that would just do that for you for the next five years. And then in five years, you need to replace it. But literally between now and then you never have to think about it again. If you think about like the potential of what could happen with a really successful implant, I think there will be some like weirdo, weird factor. Like a lot of people aren't going to want to cross that chasm, but I think it's going to, I think once the dominoes start to fall and there's a really good one of those and people start early adopters start doing it it starts like taking over i think it's going to go quicker than we think that would be that, my prediction that concept is equally amazing to me and also scary uh, i just i'll give you a frame of reference i was looking at something today before i came into the the studio and it was talking about how ford is about to roll out 
vehicles uh, that if you miss a certain amount of payments on the vehicle, the car will return itself. Like it will leave your house. The, the car will be repossessed. It'll just leave, you know? And then I think about the implications of, of something like that with a human being. It's like, in some ways it could be good, right? You know, you have some, somebody who's just committed a crime and then that things triggered and he just is forced to turn himself in, you know, but it's like, yeah. it, there's a weird kind of almost like a privacy concern there. You know, I don't want to end up in a situation where we're all like Jim Carrey and liar, liar, get pulled over by the police. They activate your little chip and all of a sudden you're like, you know, I, I was going 90 in a, in a 50. I ran a red light. I rolled a stop sign. I, you know, I did all these things. It's like, I don't know where that yeah. limitation is, you know, cause you know, with, with the increased, realness of a potential social credit score as well coming along and all of this stuff sort of happening and AI and all this at the same time. It's like, it's a, it's a scary thing, you know, and, and people are more willing than ever. Well, you have the two contrasts. The large majority of people are more willing than ever to kind of relinquish freedom, you know, in, in under the sort of umbrella of the greater good. And then you have people who are really hard nosed about it and don't want it at all. But it's it's like I don't know. You're, you're right. It's a pivotal time, and I think it's coming a lot quicker than most people understand. But I'm just I don't know. I, I think I'm not gonna be the first guy getting the chip. <laughs> I'm gonna nah, I'm, nah. I'm gonna want to see. I'll nah. be like Gen three. You know, let's. Nah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be holed up on a mountain e somewhere. Elon's doing great work, but he's killed a lot of monkeys so far. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And, and where do you see you uh, HVMN? Uh, did I did I acronym correctly? Stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was worried about crossing the N and the M HVM. Okay. Yeah. Health via modern nutrition. How, how do you see what you guys are doing uh, kind of in this transitory period that we're, we're in as a species and as kind of a, I, I don't know how to phrase it. It's a really strange thing to think of what humanity is doing and progressing on such an exponential scale that I just don't think has ever been seen before. So where you hear this term unprecedented times and it's like, you know, you slit your throat hearing it 55 times a day for the last three years. But when you think about the the progress that tech and, and health innovations are, are coming up with now, it's, it's really unbelievable. So where do you, where do you see yourself fitting into that picture? Yeah. I, like, I think, humans are going to have a run for their money against the AI robots. There's going to be a lot of jobs that are replaced. It's already happening, right? Like Google replaced a lot of jobs. Like there's a lot of things that are already, you know, I, I don't know when the last time you asked your librarian a question, but I, I don't know. The, <laughs> like it's, it's going to replace a lot of jobs, but I think there will be good work for humans to do, I think people are going to have to adapt. I think a lot of jobs that did exist, like being a paralegal or something like AI can probably just fill in the blanks on the boilerplate contract pretty darn good. But I think that there's going to be parts of the, there are going to be jobs that do require higher level human cognition. And I, yeah, I want to be there to, to fuel that, like that those, there's going to be, maybe society will bifurcate into like, different groups where people, where there's some people that are really inventive and using their brain all the time. And then there's other people that are, I don't know, just maybe there's, it gets kind of dark. There might be like a welfare state where it's like, there's enough robots and shit, just making hamburgers and that people, there's baseline you can survive. And there might be a, 
set of people who like want to work that want to like keep using their brain and applying things even though you don't have to because you get your free government hamburger if you even if you don't work <laughs> i think i think yeah. i think it, things are going to get weird basically it, it is going to really people that are continuing to apply their human ingenuity in interesting ways that's our that's our mission i, I think there'll always be a place for that we are getting close to that. There's that one Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you remember where they actually do have the implants. Oh, and they like block people out. Like they don't exist. Yeah, if like certain uh, conditions are met. Negatively. You go to get on a plane, and like TSA can scan your last 24 hours, see see if you've done anything messed up. You're just looking <laughs> at crazy shit on the internet. I'm like this guy's off the jet. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. Black bag him. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I uh, did you have a follow up? Yeah, no, I'm worried about the future in which like there's this potential of everybody subsisting on like cricket protein meal and, and working in some menial slave type job. And I mean, I know that sounds pretty fantastical. Like it sounds like a dystopia that we've explored. I mean, hopefully the zombies come before then and they take care of the vast. I'm very invested in the last of us. I don't know if you're watching it, but uh, I already know, you know how you, this is, this is a tangent. We do some of these, um, but it's so easy to not get killed by zombies and it ruined for me the first episode of walking dead. Okay. I saw a comedian and just put on a wetsuit. Have you ever tried to bite anything that's not food with your, your ass with your, with your you stupid human teeth? You think you're going to walk around in a wetsuit in a world where there's like Dude, no electrolytes and water? There's in, in the walking dead. That's insane. A group that's, of zombies go up to a horse and just start biting the horse to death. Go bite a horse. See what happens. You're going to be a football field away. I mean, somebody's going to bite the horse. You're not going to. Your our teeth suck. But also, our teeth the, are terrible. There's a nuance to this. There's two different types of zombies. There's Walking Dead zombies, <laughs> which are just all you have to do is have a bat. As long as you have a bat in that world, and like you know, I would have lots of guns. So for me, I'd be fine. But for most people, a bat is good. I don't know if you guys are allowed to have guns in California, but you know, hopefully if the zombie apocalypse breaks out, you're well armed. <laughs> but the Dawn of the Dead zombies are very scary because they're like they're like Michael here. They're just performance athletes. They can run sprints. You know, they can scale walls. They can, you know, if you get to the, the zombies in World War Z, I mean, they can just, they're like a hive mind. Yeah, I think we need a consensus on what the actual physical limitations of what zombies are because it's a different in every Michael, episode. thoughts? <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Can they bite through a horse? Can they bite through neoprene? It's like, what's, what's their jaw? What's their one rep max on the, on the jaw? <laughs> yeah. Are they producing more ATP? What's making them so strong? Well, <laughs> in a future where Michael's the God, which we've already set the precedent, the hypothetical world that we live right. in, they're all been consuming ketone IQ their whole life. You might be contributing to the zombie apocalypse. Have you thought about that? Do your investors know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're basic. I think about it, right? If you're a proponent of the ketogenic diet, zombies subsist on a purely ketogenic diet. Who's to say that in one of those worlds, they're not also consuming ketone IQ to perform? Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I just wrote your next marketing uh, yeah. pitch. Zombies are shredded. I mean, honestly, if they're just like running around all day eating meat, I mean, they're, they're, they're I'm just saying. They're doing carnivore. They took it a step further. <laughs> but to take it back to a, a serious note, thanks for indulging us on that one. Um, I'm super interested in your experience with Shark Tank, and I'll leave it sort of broad. 
Um, but you know, I've been a long time watcher of that show. Uh, so I mean, go in whatever yeah, direction real? you want, but yeah. What was your experience, uh, with that? Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. We talk a lot on this podcast about TRT, all of the things involving exogenous hormones. And because of that, we get a lot of questions about it. And we are not experts in this sense. If you want to speak to real experts, because we don't feel comfortable giving any sort of opinion on this, speak to Whitmer Rejuvenation Clinic. These guys are the best. They're legitimate doctors. They're not going to push any BS on you. They're going to do a legitimate consult and tell you if you're a good candidate or not. All of the links to this are in the show notes as well as their Instagram handle. Check them out and I promise you're going to have the best service possible in this space. Yeah, that was that was super fun. That was a few years ago at this point where when I originally got started as an entrepreneur, I was interested in the broad area of human performance. What could we do? And immediately tried out a bunch of different ideas until we got to ketones. And ketones is clearly like the runaway success. Like that's going to be big. But we tried out a few different ideas before then. And one of those, we made this coffee cube. It was called Go Cubes. And it was a it was chewable coffee. And we said, hey, sharks, we want you to take a bite out of coffee. And we got onto Shark Tank. They actually found us. Our product was cool. It was like a little uh, bite-sized cube. Each cube was half a cup of coffee and tasted like coffee. And it came in a four-pack, so like two cups of coffee and a little pack for a couple of bucks. And it's called Go Cubes. And got right on Shark Tank. It was amazing. It was honestly a game changer. And we didn't even do a deal with the sharks at that point. Um, None of them. You didn't get yelled at, did you? What's that? You didn't get yelled at, did you? We got yelled at, yeah. We got like roasted really? by the But is that part <laughs> just for the TV or like does the I heard the actual deal making happens behind the scenes if they decide to invest. Is that true? Yeah, I heard a lot of them fall through as well. Oh, really? Like a huge majority it's of true. them. A lot of them a lot of the deals that are like, you know, quote unquote done on the air afterwards fall through. Like over half of them fall through afterwards. Because like I wait. Like, you know, like, what do you, you, you do a deal with someone on live TV? It's like the conversation is, the conversation is longer than what they film. That was an interesting part where they filmed us for like, I want to say an hour, like significantly longer. And then they chopped it down to like eight minutes. It was like, like they significantly shaved it down. And it was interesting because I thought the conversation was really like nice, congenial, kind of some ribbing here and there, but like nice, good. And then when they cut it down, like they made the sharks look like really um, like they were picking on us, but the conversation didn't have that feel. It was like, if you went and selected, like, cause I guess if you're the editor and you're putting together an hour of TV, okay, for this company, they're going to do a deal. We're going to make them look really good for this company. They didn't do a deal. We're going to make them look like this certain way. Like th th you can do a lot in post. Anyone who's done any kind of editing, you can do a lot afterwards. If you have an hour yeah, there you go. Make us look, make us all look really uh, smart and 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 genius here. Um, that in post they like they can chop it up a lot of interesting ways, and um, but it was all good. Like honestly, like anyone who gets gets a chance to go on Shark Tank, a thousand percent do it. Because even I've, I'm telling you, literally, even if you don't do a deal, it's an ad on primetime television, and just like go full performance art. Because even if you don't do a deal, even if you're even if the sharks are like roasting you, whatever, like. Our episode actually got replayed a lot. And then people started feeling bad for us because they're like, oh, the sharks were mean to you. Like, they should have done a deal. We were kind of trolls. We came in asking for the biggest 
ask ever on Shark Tank at that point. What did you ask for? Can you say it? We asked for um we asked for it was two million dollars for four percent of our company that was putting us at a fifty million dollar what were your sales at that point? I mean, that was probably like one year, one year sales, like one X of, yeah. Like they were like, we were at, our sales at that point were like probably like 2 million bucks. So we were asking, yeah, 25 X wow. and we, yeah, we were young and being a little bit troll and we wanted to make it. So, Hey, if we, if we actually do a deal, like let's make sure we, the economics are really good. There's other ways in retrospect, I would have done it, but the good side is like, because we came in kind of funny with a big valuation, our episode got re-aired a ton. Like I still get, they still show it sometimes. Like people will be on the, on some jet blue flight and like it'll be replaying on the, the seat back in front of them. Like, just like, hi, it's my face there. Hi sharks. <laughs> so I, I recommend it. if you do it, like go performance art, you don't have to troll and do the largest valuation ever. But I think, you know, have fun with it for sure. Like be larger than life, go performance art mode on it. And even because, yeah, even if you don't do a deal, just make good television and you'll have this primetime ad. Like, make sure your product comes across well. Like, it's okay if you come across a little bit like funny as a founder, like a little bit over enthusiastic or whatever. Like, that's all good. Just make sure the, like, make sure the product, like, if you're making a beard trimmer or whatever, like, make sure that the beard trimmer doodad actually looks legit and you can be like a weird mofo like have your beard half shaven off on half your face and (laughs) be be a weird person Uh, it'll make better tv which did you have a shark that you liked the best and the worst i mean i like i like mark i think he's great i think um i think he's like just super valid legit entrepreneur uh super smart person um how is mr wonderful mr wonderful I say I want to like him, but he's kind of like kind of arrogant. Um, Lori, I think, was like the meanest to us. She was like, "You guys just like don't get sales and marketing." She was like, "You guys understand technology, but you don't understand how to like sell a product." I was like, "It's kind of mean, Lori," but I (laughs) I hear you. Okay, you don't have to. Like, did this prime you for pitching bigger PE firms? Like you said. That's right. You said Anderson it was a game changer. Horowitz was like one of your first pre-seed mm-hmm. funding sources. So like, do you think that your time there prepped you for actually working with like the big dogs? I mean, the funny thing is that we'd already raised from Andreessen and others before going on Shark Tank. I think that's why we came in a little bit confident on the valuation and like didn't super care. It was not make or break. Some people, when they go on Shark Tank, they're like, I am bankrupt and in debt and i will sell you half of my company for fifty thousand dollars if you please write me a check today please like there's definitely that style of entrepreneur we came in like yeah we're already venture backed we're making revenues we have this like so we didn't we weren't super pressed to like have to do a deal live um and wait, sorry what was the question it was like the did it prepare you like to pitch the big guys. It sounds yeah. like you, well, were you, you mentioned that it was being on right. Shark Tank was like a was a game changer for you. So kind of yeah, yeah. So like it, in what sense? We we just did a lot of sales afterward. Like straight up, like we probably did that show alone probably generated over a lifetime like half a mil to a mil of sales in terms of nice. just ongoing oh, prime time ad 
on live TV and then is replayed all over the place. Like you just, you can't pay for that. Right. Or, I mean, you could, you could pay, but it's expensive. Like that's just a great advertisement out there. And then, yeah, like, I think it, I think life has become like a nonstop shark tank episode, to be honest, as far as like with, especially with TikTok and reels and all that's like life is just a nonstop audition for American Idol and shark tank. And you're just constantly like, is this really going to go viral? Like maybe the right person sees this. I'll sell a lot. Maybe if this like work, like that, that sense of like, Hey, sharks, like, here's what I got to offer. Like, are you into it? I feel like that has just become 24 seven from our smartphone in a smaller version. Cause I don't know if Mark Cuban's watching all of my TikToks or whatever, but I feel like that idea of like being high energy, being pitching, hooking people, like driving it to some conclusion, converting it, like, and you just have it all day long from the tip of your fingers on your smartphone. It's just, we're just on, you can, if you want to be, be on nonstop Shark Tank, American Idol mode through the phone that's in your pocket. And I'm curious, like the venture, the venture funding. So you guys are VC backed and how many, how many different rounds have you raised? We've done two price rounds and then there's mechanisms in between there's some called like safe notes convertible debt that you can raise like in between price rounds people are curious about that but yeah we've done two price rounds and how does the the vc world approach profitability when they're coming to a startup like you guys were at some point do they approach it in the sense that like we're just going to throw money at the problem and the problem right like throw money at the company until they're profitable or are they focused on profitability first or how, what's your experience with that? Cause you know, we have a lot of really famous examples now of massive companies that I still don't understand how in business, like we a great example. I don't understand how that business even functions, losing money every single month. It seems like almost, almost every has never turned a profit. Uber has never turned a profit. Yeah, I just, Neither I, is Amazon I, for that matter. Well, Sure, on on paper they haven't, but they're they're I'm sure they're actually a profitable company. But you look at a lot of the unicorns of the world nowadays, and they're like they're public companies, like they're reporting their their quarterly earnings. Like mm -hmm. I'm seeing almost everything that the uh, SoftBank Vision funds have touched, like Compass, for example. Like I'm in the real estate space myself. I, I can't imagine that Compass will or has ever turned a profit, and they use kind of fancy terminology to kind of uh, look forward to their profitability. Uh, WeWork, massively famous example, never turned a profit, losing money every single quarter. So like, what's your experience with that? Do you think that VC firms are just throwing money away carelessly or are they actually want companies to be profitable for, for, also, for their own sakes? Before you answer that, also fun fact on WeWork, you know that the the founder that got bought out is now has a higher net worth than the entire company? Yep. I just saw that the other day. And he lives here. Oof. I saw him at Bell Harbor <laughs> shops recently. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so sorry. Adam, Adam, is that Adam? Adam Newman? The yeah. He's buying up multifamily real estate with this ridiculous. As somebody who's been in the real estate space his whole life, he's buying up multifamily real estate with this like gusto and sales pitch that he's going to turn tenants into people that feel like their owners. It's like dog, tenants, <laughs> tenants. They don't own the building. You're the owner. Like big difference. That's the stupidest sales pitch I've ever heard in my life. Like, f off with that. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, they had they had like there's like for WeWork there was like community adjusted EBITDA was a term that 
What, what the, the fuck, fuck does that mean? <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Community <laughs> adjusted EBITDA? It was like, uh, the guy is a necromancer as far as like storytelling, pitching, like razzle dazzle. The guy's raised more money than. Wait, what, what is, is there like a. What? Based on your community, this number actually means x amount more than it's, it's like supposed can you to? pay the bills <laughs> like because you have like you have like different I, just kind of going kind of finance nerd for everyone listening in but yeah you it's have, okay like, we, even, we both uh, have finance backgrounds so. yeah, yeah please <laughs> indulge us so you have your ebitda which is like you know your normal term for earnings before whatever interest taxes whatever like you you have your ebitda is like your general like how much money you actually make once all the expenses are are taken out and then like Finance people get creative with like having like little adjustments off of EBITDA. Like, hey, hey, for the way our business model works, we make this little adjustment. We call it like uh, this other thing that's kind of like EBITDA, but not. And then I don't know. We were just invented this thing that is community adjusted EBITDA, where I don't know. They just subtracted out all of their marketing expenses, general administrative expenses, design expenses. They're like, no, that stuff doesn't count what? because. Um, Yo, I don't know. Like, trust me, I don't know. This stuff is, is bananas to me too. Um, that that I don't. know. It's just like, yo, our vibe is so good that <laughs> we all of our expenses. And just trust me, bro. It's we it's do not kombucha you, on top, me, bros. Uh, yeah. Why are you worried about how much money we make? <laughs> have you seen the free beer cart on Fridays? Like, <laughs> have you seen the shitty yoga in our lobby? Come on, like, have you seen our, our like our as somebody who actually has to pay his mortgage based off of how much my business makes. I'm quite concerned with the profitability of my business. <laughs> I can't imagine living in a world. And we have, I, we got to get back to my question about how the VC firms you've worked with, how they approach that. But like, that's so insane. So anyways, like uh, your experience, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, that's an, that's an awesome question. I think that there is a little bit of a jewel to learn from the Adam Newmans of the world because they are successful in in the dimension of fundraising and narrative around it. But to answer the question, yeah, what is what does VC want? Like it depends on the stage of your company and it depends on what the macro economy is at right now. So like right now, it's just a very different macro than it was in like 2021 with peak like crypto NFT boom. Everyone was just printing money. Like that was a different environment than it is now in you know early 2023 so right now you got to be profitable or have a very good story for a path to profitability the other dimension to look at besides the macro economy like you know when it's a when it's just a crazy bull market people are more down to take a ringer on something that could be interesting when it's a bear market or whatever we're in right now where it's it's definitely feeling like at least a recession with a lower yeah, yeah, it's it's not a great market. People need to, people want to put their money into something that's going to actually work, something that actually can be self-sustaining, something that can make make profits. Um, the other dimension is if you're an entrepreneur, just like where you are on your life cycle. So earlier stage companies get a lot more grace. If it's you and your buddy and you're smart and you have the right industry backgrounds and your career, like I would invest in a company that's not yet profitable, but they have a plan. We're going to raise two million dollars. We're going to build for the next. X years, we're going to hire these people. We're going to do this development. Here's who our first big customers are. Like, it's it might not work, but if it does work, it's going to be big. And then you can run your own like expected value math on it of like, hey, if this works, I will own one percent of a billion dollar company. If this doesn't work, my investment goes to zero. Like, 
What do I associate the probabilities on that are? Okay, on the average, I think that this is a great investment or a terrible investment. So early seed stage investors are more down with things that don't have profitability. Later stage, it's, I mean, you gotta, you gotta show your business model actually works. You gotta show that you could at least turn it on. You know, one thing clever finance people will do is like, look, we're not, Amazon, does, I love Amazon as a business. I think you're right to call out that like, like they, like technically on paper, they might not be making profit, but like they sure certainly could. They may choose to reinvest everything into future growth or choose to, you know, put it a certain way on their books. But uh, it, you need to, these days, especially as a later stage company, you need to either be profitable or if you're not profitable, you need to have a story of like, like the only reason we're not profitable is because we're just in reinvesting everything into growth. If you want me to be profitable, I could grow a little bit less. I could just save money in the bank account and be profitable. But there's so many good ideas. I'm so good at deploying capital into growing this company that that's why we're going to keep growing and not being profitable. But yeah, so to answer your question, it's like later stage companies and then in a bear market, like with both of those boxes are checked, you need to be, you need to have a story for how you're actually making money. Just for people who are listening who aren't familiar with business terms and life cycles of companies, what would you consider early term versus uh, later? Yeah, a lot of times people talk about like angel seed up to series A, B, C, D. And then there's loose, like this is depends on industry and a lot of things, but early stage, like early, early is like less than $10 million of revenue, you know, up to a hundred mil is like still early-ish. Once you start being like nine figures a year, you're like, you're maybe not ready to go public yet, maybe, but you're kind of like medium size. And then as you go into like larger nine figures, then you can go public, you're a bigger company, but then there's like, there's definitely levels to the game i would say that's painting with very loose strokes because it just depends it depends if your real estate is very different from like cpg is very different from big tech sure. like yeah, yeah. Like, like my day-to-day -day business is like a, a very different space than this like i, I run a service-based business we do appraisals for banks you know it's the plumbing system of the mortgage world basically it's very uh macro uh driven in terms of the the, the your ability to scale and uh grow with your clients like a lot of the month-to-month -month cash flow variability is just based on what the macro economy is doing like you know we were just rolling hand and fist over making money f between 2020 and early 2022 and then you know the fed realized oh shit, we printed seven trillion or eight trillion dollars in money and caused all this inflation now we got to hit the brakes so mortgage rates are up through the roof it's a very different business model because we're kind of at the mercy of how the greater mortgage market is doing because uh it's just the way it works you know it's 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 just a different it's a different bottle that's why i love talking to other people about the way that their business has grown and how they you know see their see themselves fitting into that space and you know with that in mind what's what's next for hvmn and what's uh what's big on your radar coming up soon and what's your ultimate uh i'll add to that also your sort of end goal if there is one yeah we're the space we're in cpg consumer packaged goods as it's called it's the whole category of making things putting them into packages and selling them people distributing them and it's got its own its own characteristics and dynamics and 
I really enjoy it. I'm also just interested in a lot of other things. It would be awesome to get into real estate. So there's a couple of different areas to that I want to go with HVMN. So first and foremost, we exist to get ketones out into the world. You can think about it the way that like there's that collagen brand called Vital Proteins where the, you've yep. probably seen the blue tub. It's ubiquitous. Like you go to Costco, there'll just be a power of that. It's Sorry. everywhere. Is that, yeah. <laughs> and then there's like there's there's these nutritional primitives that come about every once in a while, like once, twice a decade, there'll be a new nutritional primitive and there'll be the leading brand of that. So first and foremost, we we're doing that for ketones. And then as that plays out, it just opens up a lot of options for what we can go and do. So I would love to start opening physical spaces, places. I really like the concept of places you can go to and like hang out and like they have really nice ambiance like a bar does but there's it's not serving alcohol it's all everything there is like healthy or maybe some of the other things that we've been talking about as far as like mind altering mood altering like sipping ketone iq and maybe some this or that like being able to partake in something nice without you know alcohol is super bad for you so i, I think that area of like third spaces that are not alcohol based i think oh, super is a lot. big fan that's what the gym is for for yeah. us yeah yeah, that con the concept of a third place in life, like, you know, as statistically speaking, as religion has made sort of a lesser impact on the day to day lives of younger people, you know, a lot of people are looking for new things to draw themselves to. And, you know, this is not a knock against religion in any sense. It's just the reality of the, of the data that's out there. You know, the gym is that place for a lot of people that I know. And, you know, what you're talking about is another interesting concept. That's cool. I could do a ketone cocktail. It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's really nice. I'll make you one in person. You can make some nice, nice cocktails. If you mix it with like soda water or bitters, like it's actually really nice. Just afternoon I, productivity. As an aside, I, something I actually like about uh, ketone IQ is that little the, the bite that it has to it. Yeah, because I you know I'll get up in the morning, I make my coffee, and I have my coffee in the ketone IQ. And it's kind of like, you know, doing a shot of whiskey or like, you know, having like a ginger shot or something. There's something rewarding. Like you take it and you're just kind of like, woo, you know, like, you, you know, it you, works for sure. Like it's you not got a little one of those apple juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I got to get my hands on some more. I think I left it in my car for a couple of weeks and uh, I, I, have, I haven't had a chance to indulge on a regular basis. I don't have a kitchen right now. We're in the process of like rebuilding half our house. So we've got like a kind of like a ghetto little setup in the in the living room i guess we have like a like a little fridge and like you a microwave. hot plate we had a hot we have a hot plate <laughs> the hot plate idea is terrible i have a very big dog and he's very interested in everything like camper in your own house like bachelor mode in your yeah it's uh it's been a very interesting ride and there's dust everywhere on everything every crevice and orifice of the house it's <laughs> it's 10 out of 10 don't recommend well definitely we'll send over some ketone iq it's really cool like the the same reason that people like bulletproof coffee so much that like hey I, I this is how i start my day i don't eat until noon i put fat in my coffee that the whole reason bulletproof exists is because that fat turns into ketones we just figure out a way to skip a step so like all the everything yeah. that people like around that as like a super fuel to start their day we just figured that out in a more direct way like i've had a couple of different dinners with dave asprey the guy that invented bulletproof he loves what we're doing our we were on his podcast he's been on ours like it, it's all it's all very similar i would just say we like carried the torch into the 
the next level there. So yeah, happy to send over a bunch more. As far as like where where to, where we can grow the the business, it's like yeah, I want to make our first. You know, we got to make ketones big first, and then I'm really excited for physical spaces, and then dropping into some of these other like emerging ingredients. The, some of the fun stuff that we've mentioned, especially as, as things get more legal or more well understood, there's going to be a first mover on it. And it'd be cool to be in a spot where we're like, like I, myself as an entrepreneur, where I've already checked the box of like, okay, I've already built something that's like, like big and you, I'm like trustworthy and believable to be able to enter in like a totally new vertical, new ingredient that maybe has like regulatory weirdness around it. I think that'd be, that'd be a really fun place to, when you have a, a a drinkable version of modafinil, let me know. Yeah, like, dude, the thing is, like, it's, I think you can do that already. Just drop a pill and no, that that stuff's wild. It's to me, that's like one of the most interesting cognitive enhancers I've ever taken. Yeah, yeah. You ever tried it? Have you tried? I've tried it. Yeah, it's it, it works. It's zippy. It's uh, it works like really well. <laughs> like it keeps you up. <laughs> I, like, I, I have a hard time sleeping with it it's a good road yeah trip, it's uh, it's it's very interesting it's thing. uh I, I don't think people really understand the science behind it like even the scientists that have created it it's a very very like interesting the explanation i've heard is like it's a dopamine agonist so it produce like helps the brain produce more dopamine also helps promote wakefulness in a very odd way that i'm not smart enough to understand but it's uh it's interesting putting all this stuff together, you know, even the psilocybin we talked about, cause like I've noticed a very similar effect at a, at a moderate dose. Like I've never macro dosed it at all, but I've only micro dosed it. Let's say it's, it's, Oh, look at me like that Caesar. I haven't, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting stuff. It'll be really cool to see what you guys do over the next couple of years. And I'm also looking forward to getting my hands on some more ketone IQ so I can actually like test it for a few weeks and see how it affects my mental performance. It's nice. And Michael, tell me if you had the same experience with it, but what I've found has been uh, beneficial for me is not getting, so I'll, like I said, I take my coffee, I'll take the ketone IQ and I feel like I don't get that crash that I normally would, you know, where normally I'd be reaching to get, you know, whether it's a monster or, uh, you know, another coffee or something midday, I feel like it, I kind of, like you get to stretch that window of kind of feeling that heightened level you get from caffeine for a longer period of time. So that's what I personally like about it. That's what, that's what everyone says. And it's interesting because it's not this like spike, like caffeine. If you go into ketone IQ thinking it's going to be caffeine, it's not, it's just like, like longer, slower burn where you just feel like good for many hours and you don't dip you don't it's appetite suppressing like you don't really get hungry and you just feel like dialed for hours and hours and people love it before podcast like andrew huberman is that's what he was just talking about on his on his podcast he likes it before podcast when it because sometimes it's, it's really long there's a lot of research involved and it's just like pre podcast pre like you're giving a talk pre, like you're getting into flow state. A lot of people have their like two, three hour block in the morning where they're jamming through stuff and kind of individual solo mode, like that for that kind of mode, you're trying to get in a flow stage. It's like really freaking good. And yeah, like there's other stuff that, that works out there in the world. I think one thing that's cool about ketones is that like, they're like good for you too, that like, you're not having to think of like, oh, am I trading like X units of health for Y units of performance? 
performance, which I do. Like, don't get me wrong. It's like, like nicotine. Also, if we're going back, I, we didn't even finish. I, I feel like we could go all day on just the God mode list. Like nicotine, I think is way underrated. I don't think you should smoke cigarettes. Is that the gum you have in right now? now? The I, I don't have gum in right now, but I I oh. had it um, er, like earlier. Yeah, it's okay. yeah. It's like we we all know that there's a there's a. Listen, if, if I could live in a perfect world and cigarettes didn't affect my health, I would smoke two packs a day of Lucky Strike cigarettes all day long for the rest of my life. But it doesn't work that way. And they make you smell bad and you destroy your lungs. So what's your I know we're drawn to an end. We got to wrap up in a minute. But what's your thought on nicotine and like what's the I don't want to say safest, but a way of delivery that is not going to impact you in, in, in a super yeah, yeah. serious degree? Like I think the gum and lozenges, I think are really good. I think that uh, there might be some mi like minor drawbacks. But I actually think that most of the drawbacks on nicotine are around like the smoking form factor. That if you're just having it in a gum or lozenge form, that it um, it it's really good for cognitive alertness and it stacks well. It's like a little bit different from caffeine, a little bit different from ketones. It like it just gets you dialed in so i like the gum like you, and you can buy there's some cooler brands coming out there but you can literally go and buy like nicorette whatever like boomer legacy brands are out there at your walgreens you can buy that there's some people that are trying to like make it all like millennial gen z cool like i'm i'm i forget the name right now like there's some websites all cool looking you can buy the cool one you can buy the nicorette version there's lozenge forms i like start small if you're not used to nicotine like it can make you dizzy if you have Sure. too much but like a little bit of it feels like well so i don't think i think it's underrated honestly because i think it has a dirty word from smoking but it's actually like quite quite clean and what about like the vaporizers that are out there i mean i i think that the jury's out slash i think a lot of them are not good i think some of the more name brand ones where they have regulated supply chain around what they're putting in there are better but i those i think are like so so and i i think a lot of the like ones that you're buying at like Bubba's smoke shop that's like came off a boat from China and that brand's not going to exist in four months anymore. Like I, I don't even get, I have a kid. I don't even give my kid like toys from China because the paint might have weird lead in it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to smoke <laughs> some off brand vape a good point. shit. Like I think the, no, I think if you're going to vape, like go with like the jewel or the, what go with the, like the more name brand. No, the jewel is the one that just got, they banned them from all the states, didn't they? Which is nuts. Which is fucking nuts because they are the good operators. If you ask me, yeah. like they're the, they're that's a very much the case. Of like tallest blade of grass getting cut because like they're the ones that are like following all the fucking rules. They have like a re legit supply chain that are doing all the like checking all the boxes. Like we don't want is yeah the weird ass like tertiary brand no one's heard of that those those are the ones that are now given freedom to operate. I think they banned the wrong ones yeah the, the, weird, the, the weird, weird thing with the, some of those vape companies is you know nicotine in that sense is not necessarily the problem it's whatever else is in it and there's been a lot of particular flavors that have been identified as problematic so i know they've, they've been talking about passing legislature recently where they're just gonna ban all of the flavors of of vaporizers is it, and then is just it gonna the flavor is bad for you or because the flavor makes it like cool for kids I think it's multifaceted. There's so they there's definitely a big part of it that's they just don't want kids, you know, having fruit punch flavored, you know, whatever, because it makes it palatable and they're going to be more likely to do it. 
but there are there are also specific flavors they actually talked about it on uh rogan uh where it was they read out like all the the most problematic ones that had carcinogens and it was like you know some really popular ones that were like the vanilla flavor uh coconut you know a a bunch of different ones that just whatever the chemicals that go into that to make that flavor were not great but you know stick to the lozenges i think if you can wrap your mind around if you're what you're really after is a feeling I get it. It is fun to like smoke something. Like I've, I don't do it a lot, but I've done it. I've just diff, smoke different things in my life. It like there is something about it that can feel nice. But if you can wrap your mind around, hey, like the main reason I want this is for the effect. And if this lozenge or gum edible format has literally the same effect, no, I don't get that like lung burn tingle feeling for thirty seconds. Okay, but like you get the other three, four, five hours of effect. Like, I I, do your own calculus on how long you want to live with kids, and if you care about them, or you know, you know, do your own math on it. Uh, We're all we're all our own, you know, choose your own adventure in life. Um, I I don't know if you have a a hard cutoff, but I do have one more question. Uh, All right. Um, so you were on Forbes thirty under thirty, right? I was, yeah, yes, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I have opinions on this, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, were were you in a relationship at that time? I might have just been like starting to date my now wife at that point. Oh, okay. okay. I was gonna say, I, I was, I was curious to see what the before and after was of the the flooding in your direct messages after being presented <laughs> on that list. <laughs> Did you get blown up? <laughs> i don't want to throw you under the bus with your wife but (laughs) no look (laughs) like there's definitely you definitely get a lot of inbounds also all sorts of different directions and when you're when you're rich or pre-rich people think you're gonna make it uh and yeah got a got a lot of excitement off of that it's interesting because it's (laughs) like it's one of those things where it's like it's really cool to get i'm glad i got it um when yeah, you know, what were your mixed feelings what's that so you, had, you had mixed feelings so yeah what's well, that it's about? just like when you're at a when you're in a certain level of entrepreneurs operators it's like not cool to say anymore because it's like corny it's like sure. uh, okay cool like but what have you actually done like and then this like four certain under 30 they've they've really broadened it out where like it's not just 30 people, right? It's like every vertical has a 30 under 30. And then there's like umpteen jillion different verticals. So every year it's like thousands of people are like 30 under 30. And then like some people are really annoying about it or you like jam it into your Twitter bio, your LinkedIn bio, you start posting on LinkedIn every day, you become that guy. Sure. So I, I don't <laughs> want to be like that guy. Like I'm glad I appreciate it. Like, thank you, Forbes. Thank you. Appreciate the uh, the acknowledgement. The accolade. <laughs> I, like, for me, it's like, dude, like the actual prize is money right the actual prize is making a good business like there's people that did never apply to fucking forbes 30 under 30 that have printed a mint and they do not give a shit about your forbes 30 under 30 and like in a way i i rock with that pov to be honest like the actual award or accolade like you don't need permission from forbes to say you're cool like make money or don't make money like make a make something that works like be a good entrepreneur or not 
look, it was a helpful stepping stone in there. I'm sure some investors felt more confident cutting in a check. Some customers felt more excited to be part of the brand because of that. But to me, it's not the like, that's not the prize at the end of the rainbow. The prize at the end of the rainbow is like a, actually running a good business. Gotcha. Well, in either regard, congrats on that. It's cool to get recognition. I think, you know, when you do something positive and people see that and appreciate it. So, um, I was just getting some creatine shoes in. <laughs> We're talking about creatine. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got some. What's uh, your go-to? Do you have any, are you, any partner brands or anyone you don't mind? I, I don't know. I, I don't, the supplement world. I just, I mean, I just eat real food. So I just eat these when I come to the gym because they're like little chewables. And they taste good. Yeah, they're nice. We have a, a stockpile from from old sponsors and current sponsors that are just like we're trying to work through. We need help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, man, I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, thank you for coming. I feel like we could have honestly we could have doubled this time. There's still more stuff, so we'll have to have run you it on back again for sure. Um, if there's like an ending note, you know, I, I obviously like the health, nutrition, fitness side of things is really interesting to me. But um, what I find particularly interesting is your business journey as well. And I know right now more than ever, you know, post COVID, a lot of people moved online. Everybody's become an entrepreneur. If you have some sort of parting wisdom to people who are entering that space now, they don't want the typical nine to five. They want to, you know, be their own boss, all that stuff that's, you know, spat out by a million different, uh, you know, influencers all the time. What is the legitimate advice that you would give someone as somebody who's done the real route, who's actually, you know, brought nothing to something quite big. And, uh, you know, what would you tell people? What I wish someone had told me is build the community platform following first. You can literally still keep your job. You're just keeping your job and then you're posting on Instagram every day. If you're into whatever sport you're into, or you're into real estate or cooking or whatever, wherever you think you might create a business around or even not just like get your face out there, get, get your sets and reps in of you as a public persona while you keep your day job. Cause Hey, look boss. Like I'm just, it's my side project. I just post a lot, whatever. Don't worry about it. Like get your 10 K 25 K get your blue check, like get that. Cause you can do that while you have your job. You're not like most most bosses are not going to give a fuck. Like, cause you're not like directly competing. You're not creating a competitive good or service. You're just posting, you're just posting a lot. You just create your following, create your community. And then it just opens up so much optionality. I mean, you guys know, this is really like for everyone listening in that like you'd rather the day after you leave your job, you'd rather have 25 K and a blue check. Cause then when you launch your business, you can just talk about your business and you're going to have, you know, 1% of those people check out your business. Cool. Like you got 250 customers. Like, what are you selling? Like, that's a real, that's, that's all 250 K more than you would have had otherwise. So that that's my advice in a nutshell. I'm really glad you asked. I wish someone had told me that when I started, cause I kind of did it in reverse. Like we made a really cool product and then we've like built community and platform around it. I, if I could redo any one thing would be like, get, yeah, get a following figure out your content verticals, figure out your workflows, figure out all that stuff so that when you're ready to take the jump, you have, you have that platform. I really love 
all of that, but particularly one part about what you said, because we are in this environment right now where, you know, the most extreme sort of view that gets presented online is what gets the most traction and attention. So you have all these people who are giving young entrepreneurs advice, like don't have a plan B, go all in on plan A. If you work a nine to five, you're an idiot, quit that and just do the, go to, you know, even Gary V like, Oh yeah, you just go to a yard sale. You buy a tennis racket for five bucks. You sell it for fifteen. You do that twenty thousand times. Oh, you know, it's like it's just an unrealistic thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with starting a business while you're making sure that the rest of your life is is you know in a stable position. And then when you feel comfortable making that transition entirely into your own thing, you, you can make that decision. You know, it's not an all or nothing scenario and uh, it's good to hear from somebody like you who's successful, who's, you know, doing the thing, who, you know, can speak to that and support that. You know, you've been you've been through all the different things, Shark Tank, you know, raising, uh, you know, VC uh, firms, pitching, you know, investors, all the all the different kinds of stuff. Um, and that's something that I think uh, hopefully anyone who's listening to this really absorbs that you don't need to quit your job and and go buy tennis rackets and start start an ebay business and you can you can you can work on something while you you still have a job so yeah like wait wake up an hour earlier like cut out the last netflix show in the night go to bed go to bed at nine or ten wake up at five or six get an hour or two on like your time in the beginning of the day before whatever your normal job your kids whatever all that stars like get something that hooks and then you'll be excited and then you'll know like i think it is really scary if you're not an entrepreneur like am i really going to quit my job that's giving me a salary to go do random sh- like trust me you'll feel a lot better if you've compounded it hour or two a day for the last one two three years and you have something like hey people care about what i have to say on linkedin people care about like i've made a little side hustle service where if i were to go and do that for real full time that would be a real job. Like get, I, I don't know. I think almost, yeah, to, to your point, like almost the opposite of the Gary V like, you'll burn all the boats, quit your job, tell your <laughs> boss to fuck himself. Like you're Drop not going to school. Like, okay. Chill. Like build, how you yeah. like, build a little, There's like, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> you have a nice thing going, like build some reasonable life raft for yourself. Make sure that shit floats before you like jump off the, main boat that you're on and tell the captain yeah because you know who doesn't care about instagram inspirational stories the bank because if you can't pay your mortgage or your landlord they're not gonna care they care zero dude and i think i think another good one just on this it's all the same but like another good one is like you'll make your first dollar i think that's a good one make your first dollar on the internet it's like a dollar doesn't go that far but like the whatever you had to do because you would have had to make make a store that can accept credit cards and you have to create a product. And I don't care if it's your wife that buys your product, your mom that buys your product, like make your first dollar. Okay. Make your first $10, make your first hundred, like give yourself little, little goals like that, that are like just silly games, but like, you'll put down the call of duty and like make that your video game for the next six months, try to get $300 points in your Shopify store instead of leveling up your world of Warcraft character. (laughs) And then you'll be- that's great is that a, is that a michael brandt original make your first dollar <laughs> is that is that a you quote like, like yeah you no, that i'm just going off the dome here that's all me baby. oh yeah. that's beautiful man yeah. that's put that on your tombstone that's, that's a great. that's a great that's a great thing to end with 
All Thanks, right, man. man. That's Thank awesome. you so much, man. Uh, all you know, everyone will put all this stuff in the show notes about the brand. Uh, is there anywhere else uh, you want people to reach you at if they're trying to find you? Yeah, drop a line, follow us, say what's up. Our brand is HVMN. It stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition. You can find us at HVMN on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. I'm Michael Brandt. My handle is BDM underscore runner. Find me. I'm I'm everywhere. Love to hear from people what you're what you're working on, entrepreneurship, fitness goals, biohacking, any all of the above. Drop a line, say what's up. I'm gonna connect with you, man. I know we haven't really spoken before today, but uh uh, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, we got to get you out here in Miami for sure. We'll go for a run. Don't kill us. I'm not doing that. Let's do like a run and a lit. We can both like suck at each other's. Like, I, I've been subjected. Our to that worlds before. will collide. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Thank you Thank so you. much. Have a good one, man. All right. Peace, guys. See you, brother.